This episode of the I Am Northbound podcast is brought to you by the 4D songwriter, How to Dominate the New Music Industry. Get your copy of this number one best-selling book at the4dsongwriter.com. All right, so you're a music artist with plans to take over the world, huh? Yeah, duh. That's why I'm here. Well, you've come to the right place. Let's go! Welcome to the I Am Northbound podcast. Podcast. Your guide to dominating the new music industry. What's up, everyone? Hello to you with uh, 11 Herbs and Spices. You can see this. Look how cool this shirt is. I didn't know what you call it. It's like a, a jumper. I don't even know if you call it jumper where you're from. I spoke to an American friend of mine years ago and he was like, what is a jumper? And I was trying to tell him about a jumper. This jacket, whatever this thing may be. It's pretty cool. Hey, look at it. It's awesome. One of my good friends got it for me for my birthday and I said I'd wear it on the next podcast. So here it is. I don't even want to wear it in public because one, I don't want to get it dirty because it come from the other side of the world. And two, I don't want to get mugged and get it stolen. But And also three, I don't want to get hot sauce on it because it's like, you know, as if you wouldn't wear this while eating chicken, you know? Uh, so, you're all doing fantastic. Hope everything's going great in your world. I mean, today has been, you're lucky you're getting this episode. You know, I don't mean to be um, entitled or whatever by saying that, or I don't mean to, to just be a jerk by saying that, but um you are, because uh, the day of me recording this is the 8th of August, and ESPN have put the Ocho on, which, if you don't know what that is, have you seen the movie Dodgeball? In Dodgeball, at the very end, the joke is that they're getting the uh, Dodgeball tournament broadcast on ESPN 8, the Ocho, saying that, you know, it's so far down the ESPN chain that, uh, you know, it's on ESPN 8, which doesn't exist. Uh, but once a year, I found out ESPN do a 24-hour program called The Ocho, and it just streams obscure sports, and it's so good, and it's the first time it's been to Australia, I'm pretty sure. I've got it on a screen right there. It's right in front of me now. So, like, as I'm recording this, if I'm distracted, it's because the World Championships of Tetris is on. I've watched uh, the Lumberjack tournaments, the World Electrician. You might have seen that on my story. Uh, like, well, electrician championships electrician championships it makes no sense right but i saw it it was on there also the world like stone skimming tournament of like skimming stones across the pond crazy and later i'll be watching like an actual dodgeball tournament uh there's like mini putt championships and stuff too it has been crazy so this is what i'm saying i'm so distracted because there's been so much of that going on i'm like the busiest i've ever been in my life and i'm caught up watching obscure sports but uh but yeah anyway got a great show planned for you today finally going to get through one of the chapters of the book as promised i'm going to tell you a funny story uh about um you know i had a a question come in about have i met any celebrities and i figured why not answer just random questions it doesn't have to always be about the music industry right and we're also going to answer one of the questions that one of you guys have submitted so without further ado and without any more obscure sports distracting me let's get into it so I had a question submitted from one of you guys that I think is super important and isn't something that a lot of people uh, in this field or industry or from this position would actually uh, consider answering because I think it's actually quite a hard one to answer. So the question here says that there is no publishing company in Nigeria and how could an independent artist go about growing themselves? Well, it's a really, really good question and that's the thing. As I said, a lot of people won't approach this because the answer isn't as clear cut because I mean, we're all being, we've all been raised on thinking that you have to spend money to make money, but that just isn't true. So if you're writing that question to me now, You've obviously got a mobile device, right? You're obviously connected to the internet. And just having access to the internet is like half of the work done for you. Uh, maybe in your local area, regardless of whether you live in Nigeria or if you live in New York City or if you live in Australia or if you live in somewhere in Europe, 
it can become hard to stand out amongst your local area. Now, I know I said on a previous episode that you should focus on doing that, exactly that, growing in your local area, not using social media all the time. Um, but sometimes you can find it hard to stand out. You just have to find that unique approach and move from that. Now, I'm not giving contradictory advice. I really feel like there is different scenarios for different music artists. Some music artists will find it much easier to stand out amongst their local area because, you know, they might be one of a kind already. But if you're just another rapper in New York City, for example, or, you know, just another rock uh, band in, you know, LA, it might be harder for you to stand out in your local area. And if that's the case, then what you should be doing is trying to stand out in other areas of the world. Okay. So, I mean, you know, it can be a very easy if you're in a bigger city somewhere like New York or LA to think that nothing really exists outside of your city, but a lot does. And if you start targeting local areas and maybe acting as if you're just focusing on one specific uh, geographical location and building yourself an, uh, building yourself an audience there, you can start to develop some serious momentum because you might not be that different in your own city, but you might be very different to somewhere on the other side of the world. It's all about finding that unique approach that you can bring to the market, okay? What separates you from people inside your town? If something does, you're able to grow within your town because you're already separated from what everyone else is doing. But if nothing really separates you from you know, your local area, then you should be focusing outside of that, right? And focusing on building your audience somewhere else online. But that wasn't the question that was submitted. Not how do you stand out amongst a bigger town? How do you stand out in a town or a city that has absolutely no support for music artists and has no infrastructure to build locally? Well, First of all, I can say just because your town doesn't have the infrastructure and foundation built to support music artists does not mean at all that you can't actually make things happen manually yourself. You just have to give something of value to your town that makes them want to come and support you. I feel like too many music artists are sitting back um like at home, not actually acting upon anything, but wondering why they're not seeing any growth or momentum with their music. Truth be told, if you're not out there actually doing things, you can't know whether if they're working or not, right? You can't just assume something's not going to work. So if you live in a small town that doesn't have much entertainment going for it, why not do an old-fashioned promotion strategy of just going out and handing flyers out and putting on some kind of underground concert somewhere to bring your town together and to get people to your live show, you know? Because think of it this way. If you go online and you go to advertise yourself on online. Sure, there are literally billions of people online and millions of people within your specific niche that would listen to your music, right? But you're also competing against all the other artists that are attracted to those big crowds. But if you can go offline and start promoting in your local town and do it manually, hand out flyers, put events on, even if five people turn up, it at least starts the momentum building. They'll then go off and tell their friends, next time you make it even cooler. I've always said this, when you do a live show, put something on at the live show that is going to uh, add that twist element to it that's going to make people want to come and support you, okay? I'm sure that rock shows at bars are like dime a dozen, right? I mean, I can assume, depending on your town. Of course, not everyone has that, but at a lot of towns, that's the case. So the question is, what can you be providing at your shows that are going to make people want to come and see it? Like, that, what separates you from all the other shows out there? I heard one band one time say that they're going to put a, like a jumping castle for adults at their outdoor show or something like that. And that sounds crazy, but it's something that made people want to talk about the show, word of mouth spread, and way more people came to watch them play. Another band put on um, a show that actually had food trucks outside as well that were giving out food and that kind of stuff. Just stuff that make... It doesn't have to be something crazy, but just something that makes you that little bit different. Like, what can you bring to your live performance that makes someone go, I can't miss that. I've got to go see it. It's not just about performing great music. What else can you add to their, um, to their experience? Ask yourself, what can I do 
to make people want to come. And that's one thing you could be doing regardless of where you're performing and regardless of where you're playing either too. If you don't have a venue, then do it in the middle of a field if you have to. That might be weird enough to make people want to come. Like just find something that is going to make it interesting. And if you can make it interesting enough, word of mouth is going to spread and people are going to start talking about you and you'll start to grow within your specific town. Now, obviously there are a ton of ways to do this offline and you're possibilities are essentially endless, right? But if you insist on doing things online, if you want to know how to stand out on the in the online world, you need to target your music at a place that is polar opposite of where you come from and what you do. If I decided to write music again and I'm just an Australian artist, I shouldn't be trying to, you know, pitch my music to the fans of other Australian artists. I mean, it makes sense to think that way, but it doesn't always work because you're just another Australian artist to them. Yet, if I start pitching my music at the other side of the world, maybe people in like Sweden or like, you know, somewhere in Eastern Europe or even in Africa, Australia is a distant land to them. So the idea of an Australian band might be more interesting and they might find it easier to, um, you know, support that kind of music. So think about that. Where around the world is your culture the polar opposite of someone else's, you know, if that makes sense. And if you start promoting your music to them and, you know, buying media within that town or like even if you just do it manually by just finding people in that location and like who are fans of similar sounding music acts and then you come in and you say, hey, if you like that, you should check me out. And I mean, I'm, I'm from the other side of the world and your culture allows you to separate from that noise and gain people's attention. And ultimately, attention is what matters. So whether you're doing it offline or online, if you can find a way to get people's attention, that's where you're going to win. And a lot of music artists are trying to figure that out, but they're getting it wrong because they're trying to think that the difference uh, and their attention needs to come from their music. When truth be told, it's actually outside. It's everything surrounding the music. And if you can solve that and figure out the answer to that riddle, big things will happen. So I'm sure that you know by now, but my book, The Four Dimensional Songwriter, is finally here. And I've said for a while now that I was going to do story time. Uh, well, I can't say story time, can I? Because story time is where I tell a story about something in my life. But isn't that what it was called at school when you used to have to sit down and read through a book? Regardless, we're going to be reading through a chapter of the four-dimensional songwriter right now on the podcast. I mean, the episode is actually going to be the whole time me reading. So, I mean, unless you want to just see me doing this the whole time, you can just put this on as an audio one. So, sit back and relax. Grab yourself some snacks and some drinks if need be. We're going to be reading through one of the chapters from the personality dimension, which is the second of the four dimensions, to talk about why you are the only one that can prevent your music dreams. Now, obviously, this book goes into a ton more stuff than just about personality. Uh, you'll know that when you pick your copy up. But for now, we're going to be talking about why it matters so much to know that no one else can stop you from achieving anything you want in this music industry. Inner personality. How you deal with yourself internally will drastically affect the eventual outcome of your music journey. Chapter 1. Only you can prevent your music dreams. Many think that you need to be extremely lucky to make it in this industry. Most of these people have never been involved in the music industry in any way, but that doesn't stop them from sharing their opinion. They will say that in order to achieve anything of any real significance, you will first need to find a way to be in exactly the right place at exactly the right time, so you are able to take advantage of the perfect opportunity when it presents itself. It's naive to think that the music industry operates as a lottery, but I can understand why some people feel this way. This mindset is usually formed after hearing the many cliched stories that describe the unique and coincidental circumstances that led to some music artists finding their big break. I can tell you now, the reason that most of these success stories are even worth telling is because they are almost unbelievably serendipitous, and not because they are a regular occurrence. 
I'm sure that you're familiar with these kinds of stories, like how Florence and the Machine found her big break just because she happened to be drunk and singing in a toilet in exactly the right nightclub at exactly the right time to be able to be heard by exactly the right person. But Florence's story doesn't mean that you will have to be that lucky to find your breakthrough. Yes, it is true that quite a few music artists have found success in their careers due to oddly specific circumstances like Florence's, situations described in stories that could easily be dismissed as too good to be true. But are these perfect coincidences considered the usual prerequisite for all music artists that are looking to make a name for themselves in this industry? Absolutely not. The dream-crushing naysayers that will tell you the opposite have it all wrong, and by listening to them, you are running the risk of damaging your spirits. Would I be doing the right thing if I told someone that was trying to grow a small business that they stood no chance, making sure to mention that the only way anyone can make money in this world is to win the lottery? No, because that is so far from the truth that it's a downright lie. Don't get me wrong, there are many people out there whose finances have been catapulted into a place of success after purchasing a lottery ticket, but how many others have reached their wildest dreams by working for it? Almost infinitely more. You must not listen to anyone that tries to tell you that any goal, dream, or aspiration in this industry isn't achievable. It's a myth that prevents dreams, and it should be neither heard nor considered. I mean, I have heard many people say that it's just not worth even thinking about chasing dreams in the music industry because so many of those that try don't end up making it. But that thought in itself is oversimplifying a complicated process. An individual's journey in the music industry is a very detailed and complicated thing that cannot have its eventual results simplified into a binary classification of either making it or not making it. I mean, let's be real. What does making it even mean? Everyone seems to have a drastically different definition of the term. I have heard some define it as finding massive worldwide success, but that description is both wishy-washy and unmeasurable. So to further understand this mindset, let's make the term measurable. How many albums would you say that you would need to sell to be in a position to tour the world and sell out stadiums? I would guess that number would probably be in the millions. So to meet the requirements for the definition that some hold for making it, you will first need to sell millions of albums. Dream crushers will say that it's not even worth thinking about attempting such a thing because there is a good chance that you will fall short of reaching that goal. And they could be right. You may dedicate your entire life to music and still not reach that goal of selling millions of albums. You could end up falling short. What if you gave it your best shot and only sold a million albums? And we're not talking plural this time. Singular. One million. Damn, only a million albums? That means only making a difference in just over a million lives around the world? That means only going gold and platinum in just a handful of countries? That means your music will go down in history as your legacy and will be remembered by all of your loyal fans? Jeez, I guess they are right. It is not even worth trying. Sarcasm aside, do you see what I'm saying? You know what your biggest music dreams are. You know the change you want to see in the world. You know the legacy that you want your music to build and then leave behind to live long after you're gone. If you achieve just 70% of your wildest and most ambitious music dreams, would you consider it a failure overall? Would you look back on all of the hard work that you put in as a waste of time? No, of course you wouldn't. So why would you not consider them worth fighting for in the first place? But I'm not here to tell you to aim for the moon and if you miss, you'll land among the stars. Firstly, because there is so much wrong with that statement that I hesitate to even say it. Was it written before we knew about distances in space? 
And if you had enough energy to miss the moon and land on a distant star, how could the moon survive such an impact if you did hit it as planned? How would that affect the tides on Earth? Secondly, it's because it's just not applicable to you and your situation. You are not destined for a life of almost reaching your aspirations. You are capable of achieving absolutely anything that you put your mind to. And I mean anything. The only catch is that you will have to want it more than anything else. You have to be prepared to put all the focus and energy you have into chasing your vision. Because if you do, you won't have to settle for anything short of complete success. Before we move on, you must understand the most important mindset of all. If you are prepared to put the work in, anything, and I mean anything, that you want to achieve within the music industry can happen. The only thing that can prevent your music dreams is you. No one else can stop you. Not a record label, not a manager, not a band member, not an ex-girlfriend or an ex-boyfriend, not a friend or a parent. Nothing. I couldn't stop you even if I tried. You are the only thing that is standing in your way. Regardless of the situation you are in or the actions of others, you will always be the reason as to why you're not moving forward toward your music dreams. It's simple logic. If you are the only person that can hold you back and you are currently being held back, then you must be the reason. But you are in control of yourself. This means that you have the power to fix your issues, correct course, and keep moving forward toward your end game. If at any time you find yourself not making progress toward your music goals, stop and ask, what am I doing to prevent my success and how can I go about fixing it? Being able to hold yourself accountable is key to finding success in this industry. You must hold yourself accountable, no matter the situation. It's the music artists that haven't learned to do this that are the ones that don't move forward. Rather than being productive, they instead spend their time complaining about how their issues and roadblocks are a direct result of the actions of someone else, which means that their problems must be someone else's responsibility to fix. These artists will happily complain to anyone that will listen, voicing excuses that explain in detail how others are currently preventing them from reaching their desired music goals. They will refuse to consider themselves even partially at fault. To prevent this from being an avenue that you unintentionally travel down, you must understand that it is never a good idea to focus your energy on blaming anyone else for your lack of progress, even those that may have been initially responsible for or played some part in causing the situation you were in. All you will end up doing is distracting yourself from who is really at fault for your lack of progression, which is always you. Others may have played a part in putting you into a particular situation, but you will be entirely at fault if you spend even a second of your time in the negative, useless mindset of blaming them for their actions. What good could come from complaining about the actions of others when you could use that time to readjust, dust yourself off, and continue forward instead? Would an Olympic cyclist who had just been knocked off their bike in a big race spend even a second of their time complaining to a spectator in the crowd about how them falling off wasn't their fault? Not if they want to reach that finish line. It may seem unlikely, but a music artist preventing their own music dreams is quite a common occurrence. You may be preventing your own music dreams right now by telling yourself that there is a chance you might not achieve them. Even suggesting that you won't end up reaching your goals is doing yourself the ultimate disservice. The truth is you can achieve any goal you set for yourself if you are prepared to put the work in. To tell yourself anything else is a downright lie. The first step toward making serious progress in your music journey comes right after you beat this first mental battle. You must know deep down within you that you are destined for greatness. Then, it's just a matter of speaking 
and acting it into existence. Some people love to say fake it until you make it, but I much prefer believe it until you become it. You know that you have a message to tell the world through your music. You know that your music has the potential to change lives. You know where you would like your music to take you one day. So there is no need to fake anything around here. You know exactly who you are and what you want from your music. And if you are aware that you have world-changing potential, why would you waste even a second of your life telling yourself that you were destined for anything other than changing the world? If your answer to this question lists anything that is outside of your control, you're wrong. You are the only thing that can prevent your biggest music dreams. Other people may have presented you with roadblocks, but it's your job to learn how to navigate around them and continue on moving forward. There is always a way around the errors of others. Spend your days focused on bettering you. Instead of trying to control things that are outside of your control, learn how you can navigate around them instead. If you can learn to master these skills, it will only be a matter of time until you achieve everything that you have ever dreamed of. So I hope you liked that. There's a little insight into the book, The Four Dimensional Songwriter. A little bit, uh, little bit there on the motivation, letting you know that you have... Uh, the power to achieve anything you really want within this industry. And as I said, there's a ton more within this book. We talk about a ton of stuff. I don't even want to get into it. It's going to change your life. That chapter is just a tiny little glimpse of what's inside. Uh, you can go get your copy right now for free at the40songwriter.com. So as you know, I've been doing a thing on the end of the podcast called Storytime. Uh, as I said, I don't want to do it every week, but I got a question submitted the other day that asked me, uh, you know, I ask for questions about the music industry, but a lot of the questions that come through aren't about the music industry. And I used to, in the past, when I did Live with Jason John Evans, I would... Um, you know, kind of filter them out and just answer the ones about the music industry. But I thought to myself, hey, if you guys are submitting ones to just hear stories, then, you know, every now and then I might throw in a question that might not be specifically about music in general, might just be about my life, but hopefully you find them, uh, you know, you find them entertaining. So the question I had submitted was, have I ever met any famous people? I want to tell you about the time that I met Danny Glover. Quite a while back now, I think nearly 10 years ago, I was over in the States for a while and I spent a bit of time in New York City. Now, a lot of my friends had gone overseas uh, for just small holidays and they would come back and say, oh, I saw this famous person at this random Starbucks or coffee shop or walking down the street or I saw them in a bookstore or whatever. And it makes you think that whenever you go overseas, you're going to run into famous people all the time. So when I was in New York, I was specifically looking for famous people. I was telling myself, you're in New York City. They're probably right in front of your eyes all the time and you're just not seeing them. So keep your eyes out for people that you know might be famous. So you've got a good story to tell your family and friends whenever you get home, right? So one morning I got up and I got dressed and I don't know if you've ever been to New York City before, but in winter, I mean, it was like a normal thing to put on like a jumper and then a jacket and then gloves and a scarf and a beanie because it was snowing outside. It was freezing cold. So I was like, get real rugged up. So, I mean, I was just dressed like a normal person. Now that might seem like an unnecessary detail, but it isn't. Okay. So I was completely dressed just like a normal person going outside uh, to walk around New York City and get things done and live day-to-day life as normal people do. So I leave my apartment. I was walking around the top of uh, Central Park area where everyone, you know, kind of goes for their morning jog or whatever. And I saw a guy jog past. And as he went past, I went,
that was Danny Glover. And I thought to myself, you know, I grew up in the 90s, so I was a huge fan of Lethal Weapon. I, I love all, a lot of movies that Danny Glover's been in, and it would be crazy to say that I met Danny Glover, especially when he was going for his morning jog, you know, top of Central Park. And I had about a split second to figure out the best thing to do. If I just took a second, I would have realized that there was a better way to go about it. But in that moment, for some reason, I guess I decided that the best thing, the most rational, the most mature, the smartest thing to do would be to act like I was just jogging behind him and then stop wherever he stopped and just start up a chat with him. Now, keep in mind, he was dressed in complete running gear, okay? He had the athletic shorts, he had the tank top, he had the running shoes. He was he was ready. He was ready for a morning jog. I, on the other hand, as you remember, was dressed in a trench coat, uh, you know, scarf, gloves, beanie, jeans, not wearing running shoes at all, but I just decided that I would casually start jogging behind him. So, it didn't take long for him to look over his shoulder and see a six foot four guy just casually jogging, trying not to make eye contact with him, like looking at the corner of his eyes. So, he obviously thought that was a little strange and started to run faster. Now, instead of me taking a hint and going, wow, you look like a total creep at the moment. How about you stop chasing the guy and you just leave and tell people that you saw him running and that's good enough. That's probably what I would have decided if I took a second to think about it. But instead, in that moment, I made a quick decision and I decided that instead of doing that, I would start jogging faster behind him. So he's looking over his shoulder and seeing me about 20 meters behind him running faster, acting like I was oblivious to him and just going out for a jog myself. So he starts jogging faster and I, you know, catch up with him. I've committed at this point, okay? I have to, for some reason, get next to Danny Glover. In my mind, it was going to be, you know, at a set of traffic lights or he'd pull over to get, you know, a hot dog. It's New York City. I don't know. I lived, I grew up watching movies, okay? Now, at this point, I'm getting really tired, okay? I'm not a fit guy by any means and I definitely wasn't prepared to go out for a jog. He's obviously very fit, so he can do this running stuff. To me, it was just like, hurry up, Danny, pull over. I just want to act like, oh, what are you doing here? Nice to meet you. Like, you know, obviously it was never going to work, but in my mind, for some reason, it was going to. So after a while, he pulled up at a set of traffic lights to cross the road. And suddenly I wasn't chasing him anymore. The gap was getting smaller and smaller and I was approaching him and I'm thinking to myself, what am I going to say? Like, I'm, you know, out of breath, not thinking straight, going, how am I going to make out this is like completely normal? Like, do I just admit it and go, I'm not a creep or whatever. It's just, I'm a huge fan. I just wanted to say hello. And I just committed too early and now it looks so crazy. So I'm thinking about that stuff. Or do I just act like, you know, still my original plan of, hey, what do you you doing here? Oh, Danny Glover, nice to meet you. Like, I'm a huge fan. And so, as I'm getting closer and closer to him, I'm just deciding which of the two options is the better one to do, which one would offend him less, and which one would make me look like less of a creep. So, I casually just pull up beside him and look forward and act like I didn't see him there and turn to him to say my brilliant plan, right? And I look at him and I go, oh, sh- that isn't Danny Glover. So I guess that's the story of how I thought I met Danny Glover, but I really just unintentionally chased a guy through New York City. Why not check out another video? You can do so by clicking right here. You'll find even more ways for your music to take over the world. But before you do, make sure you like this video, share it with your friends, hit the subscribe button and turn on the notification bell. That way you won't miss my next video.